Luke chapter 10, verses 17 to 24. The 72 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. In that same hour, he rejoiced in the Holy Spirit and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows who the Son is except the Father, or who the Father is except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Then, turning to his disciples, he said privately, Blessed are the eyes that see what you see, For I tell you that many prophets and kings desired to see what you see and did not see it, and to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. There's a very famous atheist, um, Richard Dawkins. So he doesn't only believe there is no God, but that's what atheist means. A meaning no, theist meaning God. Um, So he doesn't only believe that there is no God, he makes it his mission in life to try and tell you that you shouldn't believe there's a God either. Um, That's why he wrote his book, The God Delusion. Or maybe he wrote it because he wanted to make money. Maybe his purposes weren't as noble as what he wants people to believe. But the thing is, by world standards, this bloke, he's a brilliant man. Um, He's very highly educated. He's an evolutionary biologist. He's been a professor at Oxford. And when it comes to God, he sees Christianity as a disease. And those people who are Christians suffer from this disease and they need a cure. And he says things like, faith is the great cop-out, the great excuse to evade the need to think and evaluate evidence. In other words, he reckons if you believe in God, you're an idiot. Right? That's my translation, just making it clear what he's saying. Stephen Hawking, there's another atheist um, who was also a very brilliant man by world standards. He's a professor of mathematics at Cambridge and, and a big-time theoretical physicist and cosmologist. Notice I use the word was. In 2018, he died. But in his final book, which he wrote just before he died, and it was posthumously published, that means it was published after he died, in that book he said, there is no God. And that was entirely consistent with what he'd said many times before then. Now, I can confidently tell you that since his death, I'm pretty sure he's changed his mind on that. There truly is a God. And sadly, he's probably in that place which is described as a place of weeping 
and gnashing of teeth. But, but this is the way it's always been. The highly educated will often have an arrogance about themselves that where I know stuff and you're an idiot for believing that there's a God. How many times have the wise looked down their nose at Christians and accused us of being gullible simpletons and accused us of believing in fairy tales? How many times have they accused people of faith of being childish and not having an adult's sense of reason about them? You know what? If the wise consider me to be a little child because of what I believe, I'm going to say, hallelujah, because Jesus does too. Uh, Jesus keeps himself hidden from those who are full of themselves and, and who are full of their own sense of wisdom. But how wonderful it is that Jesus reveals himself to us as simple as we are. I'm speaking for myself. You're probably brilliant people, but I'm I'm pretty simple. You see, it's not research. It's not education. It's not worldly wise thinking that brings us to an understanding of God. By God's gracious will, it's kept hidden from such. And God the Father is only revealed to those whom Jesus, the Son of God, chooses to reveal himself to. And Jesus praises God that this is the way that it is. Jesus said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and the understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. Today, I want us to consider where is my contentment in Christ? What's the highlight for you and what's the highlight for me in our journey of faith that we have? What do you get most excited about? What do you rejoice most about? You see, last week, Jesus was sending 72 of his disciples out on mission. And there's been a bit of a running theme over the last few weeks about how disciples of Jesus will often be rejected. They'll often be despised. They'll often be ridiculed for what we believe. And of course, they'll be ridiculed, especially if they proclaim the good news of Jesus, that the kingdom of God has come near. Now, in in a world where we hold on to our faith in Jesus, and by doing that, we bear the disdain of those who mock us for doing so, what do we focus on as, as our vindication, right? That, that's our proof. What's, what's that which makes us go, hey, yeah, we are on the right side of this. What do we celebrate the most? Well, when the 72 disciples that Jesus had sent out came back to him, their report was like, woohoo, we got power, man. It's like, Lord, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. We've got all this spiritual power. Wow. Now, to me, this sort of seems a bit like, yeah, there's the vindication right there. There's the proof that we're on the right side of this. We showed them. But Jesus says, yeah, I I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven, right? It was true. Through the mission that they did when they went out, the evil was being conquered. And then he explained to them that as his disciples, they have authority. 
He said, you have authority to, to tread on serpents and scorpions. You have authority over the, all the power of the enemy and nothing shall hurt you. What shall hurt you? Nothing shall hurt you. And we see evidence of this. I think of the Apostle Paul. When he was on his way to Rome, um, they were on an island, I think it might have been Malta, and the, they lit a bonfire. And this snake, this was after a, after a shipwreck, a snake comes out of the bonfire and bites Paul. Now, all the locals that know this particular variety of snake are, are looking to see what happens next because they know if you get bitten by that snake, you get very sick and you die. Paul did not. God miraculously saved him from that. And I think of Revelation chapter 9, where we're told about the locusts that are going to have the power of scorpions that will be released upon the earth, um, but those who have the seal of God upon them will not be tormented by them. But I also think of a Christian family whom I've met. I think they live out Quilpie Way, the Bain family. And their son Isaac, himself a very strong Christian, was bitten by a snake. And through prayer and medical treatment, he lived. But then a few years later, that same young man was aerial mustering and his plane crashed and he died. What's going on there? In his sovereignty, this means God is king. That's what sovereignty means. And, and because God is sovereign, because God is king, that means that what God decides shall be. And in his sovereignty, God will sometimes save us from all physical and spiritual dangers, but not always. Think of Paul. Yeah, Paul survived that snake bite, which meant that he could continue on his journey to Rome. By the way, his journey to Rome, he was a prisoner. He was being carried in chains in a ship. And Rome is where he was later executed. So some folk, they like to claim these words of Jesus as an all-encompassing promise that we can apply at our own will. After all, Jesus said, and nothing shall hurt you. And they want to claim, right, there you go. That means that nothing can hurt me. I'm just going to die of natural causes at a very ripe age. But the, at the same time, we know that Jesus also promised his disciples persecution. He promised them suffering and even death simply for being the faithful disciples of Jesus. So this makes us then realise that Jesus must be pointing to something greater here. When he says that nothing shall hurt you, he must be pointing to something even greater than our physical preservation and something much more exciting than physical preservation and, and something much more exciting than victory over demons anyway. He said, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, now that just means look, right? So look at this, I, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall hurt you. But then it's like a, but so what? Even so, but so what? 
do not rejoice in this. Right? Don't get all hyped up and woohoo, we got the power. Do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you. But rejoice that your names are written in heaven. See, some folk get really hyped up and this is, this is where their excitement is. This is, they get all some kind of excitement over some kind of spiritual power rush. But Jesus is saying, if you're getting all excited about some kind of spiritual power rush, you're getting excited about the wrong thing. Yes, it is good that God is doing this, but do not rejoice over that because there's something much more important to rejoice over. And what is that? Rejoice that your names are written in heaven. If your name is written in heaven, there's a place for you there. There's a, at the table that's set for you, there's a name place with your name on it. Your name is written in heaven. So here's a lesson for us. When we are on mission in the name of Jesus, at times, by God's gracious will, he will spiritually protect us from all sorts of dangers, spiritual dangers, physical dangers. And yes, when we're on mission with Jesus, we're going to see a mighty demonstration of the Lord's mighty victory over Satan and his demons. Expect to see it. But we get excited over something, something else. We rejoice that our names are written in heaven. You see, in the world's eyes, I don't, I don't really want to make you feel bad, but in the world's eyes, you may be a simpleton, just like me. I know I am. Because, because you believe Jesus died on the cross to save you from your sins. How naive of us to believe such a thing. The world may accuse us of believing in fairy tales, because we're not all consumed by this world and this life and instead we are joyously looking forward to the coming of the kingdom of God and life everlasting. You're believing in pie in the sky when you die. The worldly wise, the highfalutin academics, not all of them, but many of them, won't get it, you see. It's hidden from them. That Richard Dawkins bloke who's made it his mission to try and stop people from believing in Jesus, he said, be thankful that you have a life and forsake your vain and presumptuous desire for a second one. Now, do we listen to Mr. Dawkins and to his followers? No, we don't listen to him. We listen to the Lord Jesus Christ because he said the exact opposite. Jesus said, rejoice that your names are written in heaven. And we can know this because we are living in a truly blessed era. That we live in an era where this has been revealed to us. Now, there's something really significant here. Jesus said this in private, and some of the most significant statements that Jesus made, he made in private. Right, so it tells us here that turning to his disciples, he said privately, all right? So he whispered it to them. Everybody else isn't going to get to hear this. But we get to look in and hear what he said. What did he say? He said, blessed 
are the eyes that see what you see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings desired to see what you see and did not see it. And to hear what you hear and did not hear it. See, it was only with the coming of Jesus that God's plan for salvation was fully revealed. This is the hinge of human history where Jesus, the Son of God, came to this world to bring salvation. And you and I, we are living in this same era. We are in this same era where we can hear the teaching of Jesus and we can read the testimony of the apostles and our eyes observe the greatest of miracles, the salvation of a sinner. And we've got the revelation of God in the resurrection of his son, Jesus. And we have all of this evidence for us, not because we are wise by worldly standards, but because by God's grace, he has chosen to reveal himself to simple people like you and I. Now the prophets, they had longed for this day. They had looked forward to this day to come. And many kings had longed to, to, to observe the coming of the king of kings. But they never got to see it. So what a privilege it was for those disciples of Jesus. What a privilege it is for us to live in the era that we live in, where we can know this. So I said at the start, today I want us to consider where is my contentment in Christ? What's the highlight for you in your journey in faith? Well, this is it. Rejoice in the revelation of God. God has revealed himself. And you don't need to have a preacher to tell you what revelation is. You don't need to have some highfalutin education to have this revelation. Rejoice that your names are written in heaven because God has revealed himself to you. It's simple as that. That's what we rejoice over. That's the greatest thing to rejoice in. Let's pray. And we're going to pray the prayer of our Lord Jesus, but not the Lord's Prayer. It's the one that we read this morning. Let's pray. We thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and the understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to our Lord Jesus Christ by you, his Father. And no one knows who the Son is except the Father, or who the Father is except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. And so we thank you, Lord Jesus, that you reveal yourself to us. We repent of our sin, and we believe in your name, and we commit ourselves to you again, and we rejoice that by the grace of God, our names are written in heaven. Praise the Lord. Amen.